0: Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast, the podcast where we talk all about things art-related. This is episode number 99, Carolyn Says Oops, recorded on April 6, 2020. My name is Julie Fan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen shoebalzer Hi, Mom.
1: Hello, Julie. How are you? I'm pretty good because the sun is shining, and when I took my daily constitutional to the garbage can to put it out on the curb it felt almost like spring
0: but you are currently fighting with an animal of some kind so you were actually locked in a war
1: yeah i know it's a raccoon i think because who else at first i thought it was a squirrel but who has been getting this, into your garbage can this thing can lift the lid you know it's a heavy lid and can drag things out from deep down at the bottom so I'm going to have to do
0: something I think a well-placed rock might help you with that but it does lead a little excitement to the everyday doesn't it to have you know a- a no horrible... I look out into <laughs> the dark
1: at night from an upstairs window and I think if only I could s- had laser vision I could see who was out there it's really it
0: it's starting to feel like a personal thing yeah you versus a raccoon We'll see what happens. Well, I uh, have been having, I think I've actually given myself blisters. I've been a mask factory today trying to make masks and, you know, a lot of like repetitive cutting and that kind of stuff. And so my, my hand actually hurts. I have to move on to other arts and crafts today. Um, which is never a problem because for one thing, I'm working on a new online class, which is called the two week art journal, working with a limited palette. That's all about working as you might imagine with a limited palette. So it really helps you learn about value, which is actually the great, um, I think it's the most important thing to a painting success, if you really think about it. That starts on May 1st. And if you're looking for more, more ideas, more fun, more connection, more creativity, consider a or Designs membership. It's the price of a cup of fancy coffee, just $5.99 a month. You get a live workshop plus a vlog. And as always, if you'd like to help the show, please post about this episode on social media. It lets other people know just how awesome it is. So speaking of awesome... We have a great guest today. Her name is Carolyn Doobie, and Carolyn is a self-taught mixed media art adventurer helping you... Let Go, and Feel the Freedom of Play. You can find her sharing the message of Oops, which you might have noticed was the title of this podcast, and Carolyn is going to tell us all about that through her YouTube videos and her blog, which is called A Colorful Journey. Um, As well as designing, she designs stencils for stencil girl products. She teaches both in-person and online workshops, and she has written articles for magazines such as Somerset Studio, Greencraft, Pages, and Cloth, Paper, Scissors. So welcome, Carolyn. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you both. It is absolutely my pleasure. So you are, I think, known for your very colorful work. You truly like all the colors.
2: Yes, I like highly saturated, very bright, kind of like Skittles, taste the rainbow kind of thing.
0: That's a perfect way of describing it, sort of taste the rainbow. Now, I promised people that you would let us in on the oops. I know that's a huge thing that you talk about all the time. Um, Tell us about oops. Oops.
2: Well, OOPS stands for Outstanding Opportunity Presenting Suddenly. And it came about because I was wound so tightly um, in my previous life to the point where it it was really getting in the way. It's one thing to say I'm organized and I want to be able to meet the demands or the time frames of things in life, but I'd kind of taken it a little too far. And what I found is through art, that was the only place that I could unwind that somewhat but, but I kept finding myself getting really frustrated when things didn't go as planned because I had in my head it was supposed to look a certain way or it was supposed to – this was supposed to happen. And really, it doesn't ever really happen the way I think it's going to happen. And I'd get really agitated. And so it was this thing that was supposed to be so much fun. And I'd I just – it, it was just this stress and anxiety and frustration. And I kept walking into that battle. And, of course, you know, you hear those things like, oh, every mistake is an opportunity. And when you're in that moment, that's the last thing you want to hear, even though logically you know it really is an opportunity. But in the moment, anybody that would say that to me just, I started to have urges to want to hit things. And so I had to find a way to actually see that on a practical level as an actual opportunity because it really was what it was. I mean, I was mixed media and you just slap some more layers on it. If you don't like it, keep going. But to actually get to that mindset with it, I had to find a way to stop that serious, way too tight fixation thing and so that's why I started saying oops because I just if you've ever tried to scream oops I mean when you're really really angry I mean really really honked off and you say oops like you're serious it's so hard to take yourself seriously because it's just it's ridiculous (laughs) and what I found is when I did that it would just sort of knock me out of that mind space and I could start to see it for what it was I'm like okay this didn't go as planned well let's see where it is going. And it took a while of saying, really forcing myself to say, oops, but I've done it so long now, it's actually automatic. And it's actually spilled into other areas of my life. And my kids so wish I'd figured this out when they were a lot younger. (laughs) Would have made them growing up a little different. Um, But so basically, things don't go as planned. And then you just shift directions with wherever it's going. But how you get to that point, how you get to that is by saying that oops. And so I'm a big believer in saying, oops, instead of calling it a mistake, it really is leading you somewhere different that you didn't know where you were going and i don't know about you julie but for me my muse has me on a need to know basis and she's really feels like i don't need to know where we're going most of the time
0: she's yeah, just like i definitely I'm don't alone. plan things out i also like to just sort of see what happens moment to moment i wanted to jump on a couple things you said first of all i think it's kind of brilliant because you i was just thinking about if i could yell oops in an angry voice. And it's actually very hard. I feel like it doesn't. You can't because your lips have to come together for the PS. Right. And so you're already closing off your
1: mouth. You can't make a lot of noise. Right. So you're like,
0: oops, I mean, that doesn't really, you just sound ridiculous. So that's brilliant. I like that. The other thing I wanted to talk about is um, you said that it affects things in other areas of your life and about your kids. And this is one of the things that I have said so many times about art. And I truly believe, which is when you learn to take risks in your, art you learn to take risks in your life when you learn to forgive yourself for mistakes in your art you learn to forgive yourself for mistakes in your life i really think that the way that we make art is connected to who we are and that you may think you can't change yourself but actually through art you can
2: oh 100 percent! i agree with that completely and totally completely and totally
0: and I have definitely seen evidence of that in myself. You know, the year, um, the year that I got divorced, I decided that uh, that that was going to be my year of yes, in which I was going to say yes to things in my life. And it also happened to be a year that I started to say yes to things in my uh, art and in my business. And like, it was a fascinating journey of like, being feeling like I was one person, not a disconnected, you know, multi different. Uh, people like making art one way and living my life a totally different way. It was really, really an, an, an interesting year. Um, I also wanted to ask you about, you mentioned your former life. <laughs> so, uh, uh-huh. yes. Yeah, so you, you what, what, did you do in your former life? So I've been
2: several things in my lifetime. um, that I was I ran a jewelry wholesale business for several years selling costume jewelry the the cheap junk, and um got out of that and then ended up running a restaurant for seven years with my husband and the fact that we're still married is a testament what kind of know. restaurant it was a mom and pop little pizzeria, just uh-huh. a a little hole in the wall mom and pop thing and um yeah, so we worked together. 24-7 it felt like and restaurants are just not known for having small hours and not much to no. do and I the things I look back and there are some things that I do in my art that I noticed myself as I you know as you look back over your life and you can start to see the threads mm. and uh, we bought this business and it had been failing We're like oh, of course we can make this work and uh, what did we know but you know seven years we did it but one of the things is we had a problem with the pizza dough supplier and I'm like, you know, I'm really tired of relying on this person that's just not reliable. How hard could this be if we just make our own recipe? Oh, And this huh. is three internet days. And I'm like, and I don't cook. I'm not a baker. I'm not a cooker. And, and bread is chemistry. Like flat out, that is serious chemistry. And I'm like, how hard could this be? And like 35 batches later, I'm still experimenting. And, and it was just fascinating to me. But I, I started into it and went, well, here we go. I can figure this out. And then it took a heck of a lot more than I ever expected. But by golly, we got it that place that we sold it years ago. It's still running. They still use that dough recipe. One of my proudest moments in my life was figuring that out. Because just one teaspoon of sugar can change 10 pounds of dough. And it changes for the season. So you have to adjust for humidity. And I mean, it was phenomenal to me the amount of science involved in baking. Because, you know, I was a Betty Crocker person, you know, like you just add the water and you beat it together and poof, you got a cake. Um, And then like, Julie, you probably remember those those days and and your mom back pre-internet when you had to like do this thing with books and Mm. try and find resources. It was a a lot harder to find information. (laughs) I do remember books.
0: (laughs) I do remember when I was a little girl and my mom would, we had a question and we were home and we didn't have time to go to the library. My mom would have me call the librarian and ask my question. And they would answer. I mean, it was like the original Google, right?
1: <laughs> they were really helpful. Yeah. The library, the reference
2: librarians. Yeah, I mean, like it's—it was just a different era when you had to search and hunt things differently, and and so anyway, we sold the restaurant, um, and I was. But thrilled by the to be- way, before
0: you keep going, I just want to say one thing that I love that you said, which I think is so true about the way that um, you teach, also, which is. You are a person who you had a problem, you knew you could deal with it, and you just started like trying, experimenting, trying to figure it out. And I think uh, you probably get a lot of questions the same way that I do, where people say like, well, what if I do this or can I do that? The answer to which is always, I don't know, try it. Because you learn so much in the making the mistakes and the doing it. All those 30 batches or 29 batches of dough that didn't work out led you so that you did understand like the small changes you had to make instead of having been handed a recipe, which I think is less valuable
2: yes and i I will say in the moment i really would have been happy on batch number seven if somebody (laughs) just handed it to me i'm not gonna lie i would have been all good with that (laughs) but but you do there there there's some things that can only happen through doing they it's only by getting in there and really kind of getting almost kind of like burning the bridge after you're halfway on it going there's no going back yeah i gotta go forward
0: I was gonna say I also think that there is something about like when you've done the thirty batches or the fifty batches or the hundred batches to get there, then when something happens, like a change in humidity, you understand how to fix the problem as opposed to if you've been using a recipe and something goes wrong, you suddenly go, I have no idea. What? Because now there's a million variables and you can't figure out where it went wrong. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. This yeah, is- I never yeah. I was going to say, this is just so true in art making too, right? Which is like you, I think sometimes people get paralyzed at the early stages of making and they don't do enough layers. I know you and I both believe in layers um, because they're like, oh, I like it now and I'm afraid that I can never get back here. But it's like if you do the work a million times and like you experiment, experiment, then you know that you can always get back there and you're not afraid to go to that next layer.
2: One of the things, too, you bring up with that when you get that beautiful layer and you don't want to go on. Because that that happens to me at times. I'm just like, I love this. And I used to think, well, what do I do now? I love it. Do I put something on it? Do I keep it? And I've realized that sometimes those things just need to be loved for a while.
0: Mm.
2: And I just, just to enjoy it. And when I get tired of enjoying it, then I'm much more comfortable putting stuff on top of it. But if it's meant for me to love it right then, I do. But it's not like I have to love it for the next 150 years I can love it for six months and then put something more on it or two days or whatever it is. And I don't know if we've given ourselves enough permission to love those moments because that to me is a lot of the fun of playing is when you have, it, it's just seeing how those things move together, the way the colors play or the way the layers build up. And it's like, yeah, and it it's kind of like a beautiful sunset. You know, you just get to enjoy it for a while.
0: And then you go on. Yeah, I think that time is a huge player in art making. And I think we don't always give ourselves enough time. We have this notion that we should sit down and do something from start to finish right at that moment. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is, I think that the best work I ever do is sort of rolling, which is to say, as you said, it starts, I like it, I kind of leave it alone for a while, I come back later. And the, with time, I can see where there's a problem or where I'd like to enter it or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas if I try to rush it, it's very difficult, which is, I think, one of the interesting things about like we're about to roll up on the 100 day project starting where a lot of people do a finished piece of art every day for a hundred days. And that's one of those instances where you're using time in a different way. Instead of having time give you perspective on a single piece, you're saying that over a long period of time, you know, something should change and evolve in the having to create at a hurried pace. I mean, I just think time is an interesting notion in art making, whether you're using it to give yourself resting points or whether you're using it sort of as a whip to keep you going.
2: It it is... And like everything in art, it can be, it can push you or pull you. You know, it's, everything works that way depending on which way you're deploying it and how you're making that day. Because some days it's great to have a lot of options. Some days you don't want any options. Like it's sometimes you want a lot of time. Sometimes you don't want a lot of time. And and that's one of the things that I really love about art is there are only as many rules as you want. You, and we get to pick the rules we're playing by. So like for the 100-day project, if it's it's going to be a finish something every day, you've created those rules. Or if it's I'm going to work on something for 15 minutes or I'm going to start something every day or whatever it is. But we get to set the rules with art. And it feels like in the rest of my life, I don't get to set the rules in the same way that I can when it comes to playing and art and using those supplies. So that's one of the things I just love that flexibility that we have.
0: So sorry, I interrupted you about the pizzeria uh, ending and moving on to the next oh. gig.
2: Oh, oh. So, so we we sold that restaurant, and I'm I'm so grateful that we were able to sell it because a lot of restaurants don't have that fate. And um, after that, I then went back and actually used my college degree. My parents were very excited that it was finally getting used <laughs> after spending all that on it. And uh, I went and taught in the public schools for about ten years. Then ended up shifting into technology was consulting a Was college for a degree of years. in teaching? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah, an elementary ed teacher, um, and so did that. So I was a general ed classroom teacher, um, second grade for about ten years, and then I went to training adults in technology things for for the classroom and and it was fascinating to me because adults are simply kids that are older with more baggage. Hmm. Like they're they're all the same. I mean, it's we just have different layers upon it but the same kind of stuff i'd see with second grade kids i'd see the same thing with a group of adults i mean we're because that's what we are is we're kids at heart and the more i noticed that stuff the more i realized how much those kids have to teach us to show us because in many ways they've got it right um where they they only worry about the stuff that's right there they're not worrying about so much of what like i spent a lot of years worrying about things out of my control. when my kids were little, all oh, the things I could worry about, the the mommy scenarios that could run through my head. And that actually was decreasing the joy mm. and that kind of stuff. And so when I, when I look at little kids, they're worrying about what's right in front of them. And they're not obsessed about what they should do. What are the rules? You know, it's just be in the moment and enjoy. And here we go. Um, they don't justify things as much. So I, I found kids to be fascinating teachers, and and when I started teaching adults, I saw, I'm like, oh, we're all just big kids. That's it. That's all we are. There's a lot more experience. We all have plenty of baggage, but bottom line is that's what we are, and so for me, the art is a big part of how to get back in touch with that, and so after doing some technology training with the adults, then I just started switching over to the art world, and that's where I'm at
0: now. That seems like a crazy transition to me from technology (laughs) training to the art world. Did you have an art hobby and then it just overtook that technology or did the technology leave? Like, when did you pick up art as a thing or were you always an artist from time immemorial?
2: I have always enjoyed making and creating and there was always had to be that creative outlet. And with the technology end of it, I just something something just kept pulling at me. And I just kept getting pulled more and more towards the art. And then it became of, well, let's figure out, what do we do now? Um, and I just started figuring stuff out and trying things. And it was very, very trial and error. What works, what doesn't work? What do I bring to the table? How can I help people? Those kinds of things. And and by the time I got to that point in my life, I could, I could look back and see like, oh, that's how that fits in here. And that's that piece of the, po- oh. Where like when I was 20, I had no idea how this was all going to fit. But now different skills that I've picked up in different jobs have all kind of come together and it's given me the support system and the skills that I need to do an online business. So
0: I'm a great believer. it was really, just, I was going to say, I'm a great believer in that idea that you were just saying that your history is, is, is always stuff you bring with, I mean, your baggage, so to speak, but you bring those skills with you to the next job, you know, and so yeah. it's like all the time I imagine you spent teaching, you use now all the time you're teaching all the skills you used. Do you know what I mean? the pizzeria and perfecting the chemistry of the dough, like that stuff comes right with you. I'm sure your technology experience comes in and other stuff. I mean, I'm sure all of it is there.
2: Yeah, and it's and it when it's needed, it shows up, and it's just everything in life. I it just comes down to solving problems, making mistakes. And then figuring out how to fix it. Like, everything's just a big mistake. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that wasn't. And, and in so many areas, Mike, it's not about. I used to really fixate on right or wrong, what you should, shouldn't do right or wrong. And I almost wonder if art is my way of doing these things of sort of shifting myself away from what I spent my 20s really fixating on way too much. And I didn't like the result and going to the things where it's about freedom. It's about, you know, make a choice and then go forward. There's no one right answer. And it's much easier now. My kids are grown. That pressure's off. Like they're out they're out in the world. They're on it's on them now. I've done my part. Um and so it's just it's just an interesting way to to kind of shift and change. And I don't know if it's a time in life thing where I'm like, okay. Now that they're gone, it's just time for the next phase. So,
0: we'll also say it's an interesting thing when you say there's no one right answer and you find that appealing. I think there are a lot of people for whom there is no one right answer would be upsetting because they're, I mean, so the, for instance, here is Steve is taking, um, among other things, he's taking a math class and like there's one right answer, you know. <laughs> and the interesting thing about that is it's very easy for him to tell, you know, how he did on the homework, so to speak, because he can sort of figure out whether or not, you know, the answer is the one right answer. But when he turns in his microeconomics paper, you kind of are like, I don't know if this is going to be a good grade or a bad grade. I can't tell, you know, what's going to happen. And so I think there are people for whom and I I think I run into them quite often um, in classes who are like, but I want to know what the next step is and the answer is the next step is what you feel like you can do it this way you can do it this way you can do it that way you can do it the other way you can do it a way that you think of you can do it a way i i haven't thought of it's up to you and i think i don't know if you've run into that too but i think people find that scary
2: oh it terrifies the bejesus out of people it terrified me because and i and i go back to raising kids because i really wanted to know what was the one way to raise my children so they would be happy and healthy members of society as adults because I wanted them to have a good life. So what's the one thing that I needed to do? And the truth is there's so few things in my- life. <laughs> 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 well, then you
0: don't need any more advice. Right. Or I definitely have that book me. That tells me that. There you go.
2: You know, I-, I really wanted my kids to come with a clear-cut manual. You do this, this, and this. And it'll turn, and I have two kids and they're completely different. I'm like, it was the same house. How are they totally different? Um, but but there is the, re, like for the, so it is funny when I'm teaching and I'm working with, I call the engineering types, the very mathematicals. And there truly is one right answer and precision is extremely necessary. Um, you know, when engineers are putting together house plans, you don't want someone like me going, ah, you know, with within six inches, you're good you don't want um, a heart surgeon with my attitude. There are some places where the decisions are critical. I was going to say, I was
0: just listening to someone talk about how ventilators are made, and they were saying like, if things are like, even like a 10th of a percentage of an inch of a thing of an off, like the whole thing doesn't work.
2: Yeah. And and so someone like me should never build a ventilator ever. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not going to go well. But when you have that place where when your mind works that way you probably also want to be able to relax from that too and what I find interesting are the number of accountants who you know there is a right answer there's definitely a right way to add those numbers up but they also want to be able to step out of that and that's where having that flexibility to which hat do you want to put on which part of you do you want to express and for myself what I found is when I was too focused in one way I didn't, I wasn't able to switch to the other. So I, I didn't have that fluidity. So it's, it's. Um, I've often heard it referred to as mind like water. I don't know if you've heard that before, where mm-hmm. if you throw a stone at water, the amount of force that that stone hits the water. So if you throw a pebble, you get little ripples. And if you throw a boulder, you get big ripples. So that it the, the ripples are proportional to what's coming at it. And when you've got sort of mind like water, if it's a time, like, let's say I'm doing my taxes and that my bookkeeping stuff. On that, I need to have precision. Like that, you have to have the receipt. You have to have all the documentation. So for that, I need to have that kind of mind. But when I'm doing the art and I want, you no know, rules, I just want to see where it goes to be able to switch gears and approach it that way. That, to me, is, is sort of the healthy place of where you can call on the skills that you need when you need them. But if you haven't been shown how to do that, to switch between them, if if like, let's say your job is very precise, and again, mathematicians, engineers, doctors, scientists, they're very precise. How do you shift to the other way? It's terrifying because what you know is that precision. But if you're drawn, if you are walking through an art store and looking at the paint longingly, if you're browsing through blogs and going, oh, I like how that she does that. I wonder if I could ever do that. Part of you is being drawn to it. You just don't know how to make that transition between the very rigid and the very loose. Um, But anybody I found that if if they're looking at it and curious about it, there is a part of them drawn to it. And to me, it's almost like being able to relax on the weekend and shift those gears. But it, it does absolutely, absolutely freaks people out so much when they do it for the first time.
0: You know,
1: there's also yeah. just this fear of making a mistake. You know, when they first came out with the iPhone, one of the things that startled people was there's no direction book. <laughs> you get this little <laughs> thing in a box, but there, there's where's the, you know, where are the directions? And you're supposed to experiment and find them on your own. Now we don't even notice it. But at the time, it was freaking people out. Yes yes and, and actual- actually in computers there's usually more than one way to get from a to b then that also is very interesting because there are people who automatically will try different things to work ar- the around, right and then mm-hmm. there are other people who if it doesn't work the first time the way they used to do it they are stuck something's wrong with this computer you know it's just and i think what happens is in art, I mean, again, I repeat, I am not an artist. I feel like I'm one of these people on T V saying I'm not a doctor. I'm not an artist, but I know that when you try things, you always learn something. And that there are for, and that there are people who are happy trying things and there are people for whom it's stressful and you just have to know yourself and Sometimes you can push yourself over a little bit. Back to what you were saying about child rearing. If there was one great way to do it, everybody would do it the same. There isn't. And, of course, the child gets to decide. Also, <laughs> <laughs> he this child is a participant in the whole system. But there clearly is not just one way to do a lot of things. And you have to... Uh, have confidence in yourself I think that's what it boils down to what is the worst thing that can possibly happen your kid will go to bed at a different time than other kids
0: okay well I think I imagine like I will make my child become a serial killer or something like that because I put him to bed at the wrong time or something like that there but...
1: is evidence that that's not true <laughs> it is you and your brother are not serial killers that you know of. <laughs> That's true. You Maybe still have time. Maybe we're
0: so good at it that you don't know yet. That's all wow. I'm saying. Okay.
2: <laughs> don't okay. It tonight. Well, so, and, yeah. And to the point, too, about, um, you know, the problem-solving aspect, like when I think about, I think about people working with uh, the various rocket stuff, like I think about NASA and SpaceX and all the different ones, there is a very precise math, and things go boom if you don't get things figured out right but there's there is more than one way to achieve the goal and, and they the build rest-
0: in more than one safeguard for the same and problem. they improvise like all the times when things go wrong they they have these things where they're like this is what they have to you know we, we have these are the tools that we have how do we make this work with what we have in this room you know and people have to make it work
2: and, and I mean I know the Martian with Matt Damon was fictionalized but I you know I like to believe it was real The the way he had all this science, and he could crunch the numbers and be very specific, but he could also have that very flexible problem-solving thinking. So to me, he was able to switch between each way of using his mind. When he needed one, he had it. When he needed the other, he had it. And that's how he was able to survive all that stuff and make a great movie, was by being able to call on those two sides. And I, I really believe art does that for people when they really let themselves get into it is it allows you to, to strengthen up those muscles so you can call on them when you need them.
0: So speaking of the two sides, not you're not just an artist, you run an art business. Yes. So you are both an entrepreneur and an artist. So let's talk a little bit about your business. Okay. So I know you have a Facebook group. Uh, we talk a little bit about what you do in that group?
2: So the main goal of what I want to do in there is encourage people to play and use their art supplies. Because if you don't start, you miss out on a lot of the fun. I mean, we've all bought this stuff, it was fun to buy it, we had an idea. And for whatever reason, we probably don't use them as much as what we could. And so just to have that reminder, that encouragement of, hey, what are you using? And hey, what what are other people using? Just seeing that hopefully will encourage people to use their supplies. As well as, an, and it's a group where you have to request to join, so it's not an open to the world thing. And I curate it in the sense of, I don't want you to sell me Ray-Ban sunglasses, I don't want any people that are also known as, you know, people that are working out their issues, they're not in there. It's just a place where we can all be kind and supportive to each other. And so I have a lot of people that it's the first time they've ever shared something online, and they're they're nervous about it, because when you make something it's like that little kid that wants to put the art up on the refrigerator but now that we're adults and when we make something and put it out there that if somebody doesn't like it or they make some comment about it that just wounds us on such in such a tender place it's so vulnerable so until you're used to putting that stuff out there had some experiences where it's safe and it's okay people are really scared to do that and so I really wanted the group to be able to just support people in that way, to encourage them to use those art supplies and not have a ton of rules. So it's it's really all forms of art supply play. Like it's not just this or just that.
0: And as from long a, as you're playing... from a business perspective, how does the Facebook group uh, you know sort of play into your business? So this is where <laughs>
2: one of the things, um, so if you talk to a business type person, they will look at some of what I do and they will go, you're missing out on opportunities because I don't really push and sell in there. I don't, um, I just don't see it that way. I just see it as a way to connect with people. And if they, if they want that, and if there are other ways that I can help them, then we end up working together most. They may be able to join a workshop. They might come to an in-person class. Um, they might like seeing using my stencils by some of those. But it's not, I'm a really sort of more on the low-key side of selling and pushing to which I've occasionally had business people point out to me that I'm missing opportunities there. But to me, that group is really about nurturing people. And if I can help them, then maybe they'll find other ways that I can help them. And we can continue working together in other ways.
0: You know, it's interesting, the current, um, the current recommendation for people who run small businesses is not to sell hard, and is to just make connections, and is the whole idea that people buy things from people who they trust, and so that the idea is that you're supposed to make your wares kind of available, but mostly be there to make people feel supported. So I would say it sounds like you're doing everything right.
2: Well, it, it's... the way I guess I look at it is how would I want to be treated if I was standing in a room with people and even though it's through technology and Facebook and that kind of stuff but we're all just real people on the other end of it so how do I want to be treated and that's how I tend to try and treat people so that's sort of the basis of the group and it's just become a place where people hopefully feel comfortable and safe sharing and learning and growing artistically.
0: I think it's a good basis for any relationship to treat people the way that you would want to be, you know. I think it's it, it actually goes even deeper than that, which is, I think one of the reasons, like, I always try to be a student a couple times a year is not just because I like learning, but it's also because because I teach, I need to remember what it feels like to be a student. Because I think I'm a better teacher when I remember the insecurities that come with learning, the uncomfortability that comes with learning, the stress that comes with learning, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm conscious of it then when I teach, you know what I mean, in a way that I wouldn't be yeah. if I was always the teacher and never the student.
2: Absolutely.
0: And I assume, I, mean, I know you offer uh, the, the sparks of artspiration and that's a weekly thing. Yeah, basically
2: what it is, is I created them, um, they go out in my newsletter every week, and the goal of my newsletter is to let people know what's going on, but also to just give them a little creative encouragement. Some of the things that I notice about myself or things that I'm seeing in the world and how that applies. Um, And I I do quite a bit of laughing at myself in those um, because there's all sorts of crazy thoughts that go through our head uh, when we're creating and making that sometimes get in the way and sometimes don't, but they're at least entertaining. Um, and then the sparks are just a printable download for people because sometimes you want to start, but you don't know where. And one of the things that i found is if people feel that something is precious, they're less likely to use it. Um, and so they it creates an extra obstacle to the play. But if it's something that you can print out over and over and over and over again, it's unlimited supply so that you can't use it up And having that bit of safety, I hope, then makes it easier for people to just grab something and play an experiment with. Because sometimes you don't have six hours to do something. Sometimes 15 minutes is all you've got. So taking a spark and ripping it up and collaging it um, or doing some doodling on it or putting some paint on it, that kind of stuff, hopefully that just helps them get a few minutes of creative time in because I, I really believe even five minutes can make such a difference in your day. So is the art special- spark like a drawing? Oh, it is. It is. Sorry, I misunderstood the question. It is a, a snippet of something I've been doing. So it's a photo of something I've been working on. Oh, okay. And it could be anything. Like it, it's just, it could be anything at all. For whatever reason, I focus in on one little component of something. Um, because sometimes there are little bits that are just frankly really interesting. And then when you blow them up a little bit larger, that kind of thing. And those just vary depends on what I'm doing. Like I have a, a wall outside my studio that I love to paint and spray paint and do all that stuff with temporary paints. And the textures that come up in those photos, I love the cement texture. And so if I've been doing a bunch of that stuff, there might be a spark from that play where it's just a snippet or a piece of it.
0: That's such an interesting way of taking your work and helping people towards their own work. I think it's something that creative bloggers often struggle with. You know, the idea of like, how do you bring inspiration to people? Is it by creating a step-by-step tutorial where they make something that looks exactly what like what you do? Is it taking them, you know, through your process? Is it whatever? But I, I love this notion of taking something that you've made and a detail of it and saying, OK, now run with it. What are you going to make on top of this?
2: and it's that's one of the things too in the facebook group people share what they make with them um there's there's one woman barbara who just does them finds the most fantastical things in it her drawing on top of it is a riot what she sees in there um and i also love that each person sees it differently so that we each get to be who we are um even though we all start with the same thing on a spark it just goes all these different directions and that's inspiring for other people to see how other people see something so it just it that spiral upward of just creative inspiration for each other
0: yeah that's super duper cool so i know you said you write a weekly newsletter yeah that's you all i mean and you blog too yeah and you have the facebook not, group. not as much as you do i only blog <laughs> about once a week usually you you are a machine with every day <laughs> but i mean that's still a lot carolyn And you're making YouTube videos, and you're teaching online classes, and you're making projects, and you're a mom, and you're a wife, and, 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 and. Yes. So what is your time management secret? Uh, (laughs)
2: Well, um, you know, it's, at this point, (laughs) it's about efficiency, and it's batching things. It is having systems in place so that time isn't wasted on goofy stuff. Um, so that I just like when I, I have a process so that I can get a lot of stuff knocked out in a row so that it's not a lot of wasted time and transition. Um, and it's just, it's just that maximizing it where you can. And I really don't have any big secrets for it other than after you do it a while, you're like, Oh, put this here, put this here. Um, and oddly enough, after doing over 500 YouTube videos, it gets a little bit easier. It gets faster. Like everything else, the more you do it. The easier it gets.
0: So your YouTube videos. Let's talk about those. Do you tend to do tutorials, product explorations, process things? What's your What's your favorite kind of video to make? My
2: favorite ones to make are when everything goes south. Those
0: are my <laughs> favorite ones.
2: Some Some days I'm just in like it just goes so south it's comical, um, and and those are the ones that to me are most fun to make because it's like oh let's all just it's because you just have to laugh about it some days like there was one i can't remember when i did it but i was trying to draw a butterfly i mean a butterfly how hard is a butterfly and i could not believe the the butterfly i made was beyond grotesque i was like really (laughs) and and i just i really love it when things go horribly south because it's so much more of an adventure. It's like this roller coaster ride that I'm on, um, and and so those those to me are the most fun. Um, definitely, there's tutorials. When somebody watches one of my videos, I want them to either have fun or learn something or both. Um, so that's that's kind of what's behind most of them. Some some are projects. I'm I'm moving away from finished projects necessarily, just because sometimes I don't finish them. Like it's a while before I finish it. So I'm like, I put out the part that I'm at or.
0: This goes back to the time thing, which is like when I first started, I wanted to, for a YouTube video to create a project from start to end or an original page from start to end. And I don't work that way anymore. So I find it very hard to do those start to finish kind of projects. Same as you were just saying, like it's because I work in little pieces now.
2: Yeah. And it's, and it's not, um, and I'm getting to the point when I, years ago, it was the, what am I making? What is the purpose for what am I doing? How am I going to justify what I'm doing? And I didn't realize how much that was getting in my way, because everything had to be justified as practical. So when I'd go into the art store, and it was I'm making a gift, I'm making a home decor item. And I, you have to justify everything. And I've now gotten to the point where my justification is, I like it, I'm having fun. I don't care what it becomes. Like like I love gel printing and, and I often get asked, what do you do with all the prints? I'm like, well, whatever you do with paper, you can do with these. Whether or not I use the print or not in some other project isn't my main objective. It was the joy in making them. That's what draws me to it over and over again. And I'm okay just making prints for the joy. The process to me is really where it's at. The other stuff is a side product of it. And um, I often explain it to people in terms of golf or football, because when traditionally, and I, I, this is going to be generalizing, so I don't mean all men, but in general, men, when they go to a football game or go to play golf, nobody goes, what's the purpose? What's your purpose for doing this? Do you know how much money you just spent on this? This was an entire day. You just went and did this. The purpose was to go and have a good time. The purpose was to relax and enjoy yourself. And so I realized that I wasn't letting myself do that with my art years ago. And I'm like, oh, the fact that I'm enjoying it, that's enough. That's enough of a reason for it. And the more that I get into that kind of stuff, the less focused I am on a finished product. That it's becoming much more about the process and just enjoying. And this may surprise you, but the more that you make things, the more that you get in the process, inevitably more things get finished. But it's not a one to one ratio. Um, I've got plenty of stuff that I start and I I abandon it or I'll come back to it six months later. Like it's not milk. It's not going to go bad. I'll come back to it. Um, But it's not that pressure to produce this end result right now to justify that time or money spent on it.
0: So I have a question, I and I have no idea if this is true or not, but I think somebody once told me that you worked with a uh, business coach to help develop some of your business. Is that true? Yeah, I have at different times, yeah. I'm so curious about this process because I really believe that coaching is one of the most important things that uh, people can do for themselves because it's like it's an investment in you and it's someone really personalizing and helping you see the things that you can't see. So will you talk a little bit for people about that experience? So one of the things
2: that I like about coaching when you have a good coach is you get to see your blind spots because they're blind to you. And so if somebody doesn't ask you those questions, doesn't point out some things, you don't see them. And um Having somebody that's not personally invested, like your best friend, of course, they're always going to say everything's wonderful and that kind of stuff. So to have somebody that's not invested, somebody also to somebody that doesn't necessarily fully understand your industry is really handy because you have to explain to them what you do. And if you can't explain to them what you do, it's like, oh, maybe you're not making it clear to other people either. Oh, and so through doing things like that, I found different gaps in what I do, Um, I'm perpetually on this i need to quote redesign my website um i've said that now for two years so maybe i'll get around to it one of these (laughs) days but but just to make it (laughs) easier and clearer to get the message across to people that don't know me so if somebody bumps into me for the first time do they know what i do um and so that's one of those those sort of gaps or holes that are missing in what i'm doing online that i've used a business coach to help me kind of sort some of that stuff out and it's not always an easy process to sort that out. um, But it's something that I'm working on. So I I really do love coaching when you get to have that really one on one interaction, where they're seeing what you do and able to sort of call you on some things. Um, I love coaches that can absolutely just lay it out there and go, this means this. Um, And are you realizing that's how it's coming across? I don't know if this is making sense with the way I'm explaining it. But having those those things shown to you is I think is huge.
1: It also makes you do it. It's like when you tell somebody else that you're going to run two miles every day and then they say, well, did you run two miles today? Yes. As opposed to you just saying, well, I'll do it tomorrow.
0: I was going to say, I think working with a coach is really hard work and anybody who does it, like I give full kudos to because you, it's like working with a personal trainer. Like you have to show up and do it. Yes, did you find there is an it, accountability to it. Did you find it difficult or was it something you were like, oh, this is easy? Oh, I found nothing to be easy. Um,
2: <laughs> and and what I find interesting though is I don't really want easy. Um, and out there in the world, every time you see an ad for something, it's always about how easy it'll be. And I'm like, mm, if it's really that easy, everybody would be doing it. But it's it is hard, but it's also, that's what makes it worthwhile. I mean, there's so few things I can think of in my life that I've really had to work for, that I've regretted. Mm. And that how hard I'm willing to work is letting me know how important it is to me. So this is also code for the fact that for two years I keep meaning to update my website and I haven't gotten to it. It's just not that important to me. So it's also that gauge for me, um, for that aspect of it. And there are other things that are behind the scenes that I'm working on and Maybe it will all magically come together um, for that aspect of it. But on that one, that's just, I can tell that that's not that important to me. And I'm not willing to work that hard for that aspect. Other things in my business, I'm willing to just toil over, but not that one.
0: (laughs) So for someone who's interested in working with a coach, do you have any recommendations on how to find someone who would be a good fit for you?
2: Oh, boy, that is such... That that is such a difficult question to answer because, well, uh, let's see. I would have to say, is it somebody that you trust? Is it somebody that will listen to you? If they won't listen to you, you can't have that dialogue back and forth. And if you can't have that, the coaching, they're just going to be preaching to you. It definitely needs to be a give and take of ideas and information and them hearing what you're saying. Beyond that, have they done it? You know, I, I find it interesting the number of people that will say that they're out there coaching, but they've never done it. I'm like, but if you've never done it, how are you coaching it? Okay. Um, so just making sure that your coach has, has done what they what they're trying to teach you how to do. Um, that they're basically credible. But beyond that, those are it's it's to me it's very instinctual when you hear a little bit of what someone's doing when you, and, and how so much is available online. You can really get to know somebody before you jump into their inner circle. And if you like their message, if you like the way they do things and you're drawn to them, it's worth investigating further. You if, know what
1: it is too? It's they have to get you. You know, yeah. they meet somebody and they're perfectly interesting and competent, et cetera, but they don't get you. Well, if they don't get you, you're going to have to be constantly bending your, you know, trying to turn yourself inside out to communicate. It's not worth
2: it. Yeah. And that, I guess to me, that, that's a lot of the, do they hear you? Are they able to listen? Because if if they can't hear you, then you're going to be talking to a wall the whole time.
0: <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I mean, I think that uh, it is really important in, in your life. And if, whether it's a partner or somebody or something, somebody has to really listen to you. That is like the key. And sometimes it's even yourself. Like, do you really listen to you? Are you really paying attention? I mean, this is what they say about like conscious eating and stuff. Like, are you actually really listening?
2: Yeah. And and when, when choosing something like a coach, that if your instincts are telling you, I don't feel comfortable, I'm no, and you can't explain why, who cares? The answer is no. Like it's if your instincts are telling you no, then it's a no. Even if everybody else says it should be yes, no.
0: I think that's true too. Um, And if you're saying yes,
2: yeah, it is. Yeah, because I I mean, how many times have there been a been a ruler the way it's supposed to be, but it just doesn't feel right in whatever piece you're working on?
0: I agree, and I think it's also like, or there's a trend everybody loves. Everybody thinks that this is awesome. Everybody enjoys, and it's like "Mm, not for me, and that's fine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So and speaking, once again, yes. what we do outside of art comes back to what we do in art.
0: <laughs> it does. It always does because, you know, you we are p- one person. And when you create art, you're not just creating it with a divided part of yourself. You're creating it, you know, with your whole self and who you are. Uh, and I, But I was going to say it actually was kind of a perfect segue when we were saying, like, don't do what other people say to what are our recommendations that we want to give people? <laughs> So, Let's see. <laughs> so what is your recommendation of this uh this episode mom
1: okay last night on pbs there was a show that i kind of stumbled into i was a little afraid of it because during this time of coronavirus quarantine etc isolation i didn't want it i'm trying to avoid things that are downers um but it's called uh, the Windermere children and it's true it's a this is a drama but it's based on the true story of 300 children who were survivors of Nazi death camps and who were brought to England after the war and the process during the four months that they were on this estate called Windermere in the Lake District in England, the process of trying to help them adjust to some of the things that they went through or to this new life. And I actually found it wonderful, and I'm sure you can find it still running on PBS. Uh, And don't be fooled. There's another... Show that was with it called the, uh, the Windermere Children in their own words, and that is an additional film in which actual survivors of this situation were interviewed. But the the film that I'm talking about, because I haven't seen this other one yet, is the Windermere Children, and it was such a testament to the will to live. Uh, the kindness of some others, the healing quality of being with other people. Here I am in my social isolation, but it was really, it was, I thought it was wonderful. So I'm recommending it.
0: Sounds great. Carolyn, what is your recommendation?
2: My recommendation is do something that you're not supposed to do. Uh-oh. With alcohol inks, I thought you uh, were gonna
1: just say alcohol, <laughs> <laughs> and I stopped. What?
2: Well, one one of the things that I'm finding I love to do with alcohol inks is splatter them on things that they aren't meant to go on. Like usually it's a glossy surface or a UPO paper or something completely non-absorbent. And I am loving just sprinkling them into art journals, like right on top of painted stuff or naked paper. It is so much fun to just do that splattering. It's not as messy as splattering paint because it comes out of the bottle pretty easily. And and it dries really quickly so you don't have to wait. So basically, just because it's an alcohol ink doesn't mean it has to be just on a smooth surface or a slick surface. You can stick it on anything. Now granted it does behave a little differently but you can definitely break the rules for how you're supposed to do it and just sprinkle it right on. And It is mildly addictive I have to say.
0: I will also say that because acrylic paint essentially is plastic, like if you have a page in your art journal covered with paper, I mean covered with paint, you're basically, you've created a surface that alcohol uh, ink will like.
2: Yeah, it's it behaves a little differently though. Like it, it, it's a different, like it just, it plays differently. And especially if you've got more of a matte paint versus like a really glossy paint, like it's just, it's a different deal. It doesn't do the spreading in the same way. Hmm. Uh, like, like, it's just it's just fun, and sometimes you get weird interactions between different paints, and it's just, but I, I just really enjoy the splatting. So <laughs> sounds just like something that
0: has to be tried.
2: Pretty much. it's And it's a lot of, and, and you don't have to wait for it. to Like, paint splatters, you're like, oh, I have to wait, because I have a strange fear of uh, heat guns, apparently, and so I just have to wait for stuff to dry. But alcohol inks, in no time, those are awesome. ready to go.
0: Uh, my recommendation this week is uh, the New York Times cooking app. If you're like any other number of people, what you're doing with your time inside is you are cooking more. And I have t- I can tell you that I have tried a lot of recipes from a lot of different sites, whether it's baking or cooking or whatever. But the New York Times um, has actually never let me down. I really like all of their recipes, I haven't tried anything yet that uh, was not to my taste. So I think when it's in a like, you know how you have to have somebody who you trust to, and you do the recipes of someone that you trust. So I trust whoever is doing the picking of their uh, chefs and recipe writers. I really, really like it. And so you can download the app and you can find all the recipes and shopping lists and stuff like that is really, it's a good one.
1: I'm going to tell you something further about that. When they first developed it, they offered it for free, and I signed up then. So I've had it for free all these years. Right now, they're offering a certain number of the recipes for free, um, but it does normally cost something. The other thing is you can just tap on each of the recipes, and if you want to save it into your recipe box, um, And uh, it's they have a good index system so you can find stuff really easily.
0: Yes. And if paying the monthly fee is something you don't want to do, by the way, you can't just Google The New York Times archives and find a lot of the recipes. Yes, absolutely. That's another opportunity. Um, so, Mom, I know that, first of all, I, am, I obviously interrupt everybody all the time. But two, <laughs> you haven't really been given a chance to chat. Do you have any thoughts on everything we've been talking about before we wrap up?
1: Well, funny you should ask because I got hung up on thinking of the the ugly butterfly <laughs> <laughs> that you were talking about having made. Because and then I started thinking. In the olden days, we would have taken that and turned it into a children's book in which somehow the ugly butterfly became beautiful, sort of like the ugly duckling becomes the swan. But in fact, nowadays, I think of it more as the ugly butterfly will find out that she likes herself just the way she is and that it makes her unique, so... That's what I was thinking about.
0: But I think that's such an that's such a good way of thinking about how we've changed our minds about a lot of stuff. Which is, it's not that it has to look like everyone else or like some ideal right. that someone else set up. It's that you you can be you. Right. So yes. you know, one man's ugly butterfly speaking is another on behalf, person's beautiful yes, one. Speaking yeah. on behalf of the ugly butterflies of the world. <laughs> that's. You know, Mom, growing up, the one thing that people always said about me is they said, you have such a beautiful mother, so I find it very hard to believe that at any moment you could be the ugly butterfly, but, you know. I've been scarred
1: by the remark that somebody said to my mother when I was little, which is, it's a good thing she's smart, because she'll never be beautiful.
0: Wow. Oh.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Wow. Okay, well, that person deserves a smack. Ah. Uh, <laughs> And I, so I hope you don't say that to any children and you don't say that to anybody at all, in fact, and remember to be your own ugly butterfly, whatever that means to you. Really, I should have titled this episode, The Ugly Butterfly. I now realize that. Uh, uh, Carolyn, if people want to find you online and connect with you, how can they do that?
2: They can find most of my escapades over on my website at acolorfuljourney.com. Or on most on Instagram, Facebook, type in Carolyn Doobie and the one with a bunch of color that pops up. That's me.
0: Great. And as always, you can find me at JulieBalzer.com or on Instagram as Balzer Designs. We'd love to hear from you. So please send us an email or leave a comment. And if you'd like to help the show, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or mention us on Facebook or Instagram because that helps other people find the show. So thanks so much for listening and subscribing. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast.